Have you found yourself questioning what it takes to make it in the music industry? Does it feel like there is some secret successful producers know that you don't? This is the Modern Producer Secrets Podcast. The first music industry podcast for creatives who want to reach beyond the side hustle, where we show you how to apply the principles of business, mindset, and personal development to create real, sustainable success from the inside out. Today's episode is a special one. I have a candid conversation with a good friend of mine who's been both a mentor to me and a mastering client through the Music Producers Alliance. His composing prowess is something I greatly admire. However, recently we had a private conversation and he revealed to me some personal struggles that had him questioning his direction in life. And it got me thinking, burnout is a real thing. It's something we all face in our own unique ways. So it may look different for each one of us, but that doesn't mean it won't sting or reach us just as deeply into our being and suck the fun right out of life. If you don't mind being a fly on the wall for this conversation, you might walk away with something you've been needing to hear without further delay. Welcome, everybody. I'm Cameron, your host, and today I have a very special guest, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, actually. It's been a good day. Awesome. So Mark is a special guest because uh, I've known you for a while through Music Producers Alliance, and you're one of the pro members, and you have a very, very unique um, style or alias that you produce under, and that's Without a Chord. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about Without a Chord? Yeah, so I started it, you know, probably in circa 2006. Wow, that far back? Yeah. And That's awesome. I, yeah. And, uh, you know, I had like a vision to, you know, make like a symphony. But I mean, when I originally started, it was more slower stuff, kind of like trip hop. Like, okay. So, all, I mean, some of the stuff that I did first, you know, used some loops that was available and um, fruity. It was called Fruity Loops at the time. But I know that yeah. you branded the FL Studio. um i remember when that happened and it wasn't my first thought either i actually started on turtle beach which came with like oh my god yeah which came with my uh yamaha keyboard so it was just like uh you know you know you could record in and (laughs) it was silly i I still remember that's so awesome i i remember the turtle beach days (laughs) so for those who aren't aware without a chord is a very very special thing for me because I've been mastering a lot of your music and you kind of infuse this Baroque metal hybrid electronic thing. Like you love to explore other subgenres within electronic, but you also love to explore genres within metal. And you kind of have this unique hybrid approach to everything, but in a way that no other metal artist out there does it and no other electronic artist out there does it. How many songs have you released to date? Like if I look on your SoundCloud, like how many songs are published out there? Uh, I don't know, like 15 are out right now. Okay. But I released four albums, five, well, five albums um, mm-hmm. before that. And actually I had a big following on um, Google play before they sunset that where I had most of my, you know, original albums. I have since unreleased them and I only have about like 15 that I have uh, that are officially released to the public right now. Yeah, because obviously you said you go back as far as 2006 with Without a Chord as a project. 
Yeah. So how has how has that evolved over over the years? Like you said, you start with trip hop, and now we get to baroque metal infused hybrid electronic music. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, so without a chord is really a kind of dual meaning. Where um, you know, my my original vision was to kind of evolve my music along with the evolution of music as a whole so mm-hmm. that starts with gregorian Ch- well western music starts with like gregorian chant and baroque and so i wanted to really get good at that style of composition before mm-hmm. i kind of like moved on to explore other styles so one of the main elements of the brand is is using the baroque style composition which doesn't i mean chords didn't exist then so <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of that so that's true and the other thing is kind of just bravado kind of just like i did that without a chord you know because that's when guitars guitars were big a lot of bands use guitars like guitars blew up that's why i think it was like either after elvis or the beatles or something you yeah. got all these like garage bands and stuff that really, uh, you know, and I'm really interested in the evolution of, of music as a whole mm-hmm. and how it got from one place to now with all these different branches. And I, you know, and I've always loved metal because it was pretty close compositionally to um, classical and Baroque music, which is what drew me to metal. You know, eventually I was able to finally uh, write all the metal drums and get good at mixing, you know, some of that. And, and exploring how to be able to even write all those styles of metal that I've grown up with and love so much. So it's been exciting the past couple of years. I've been really trying to hone in on, on merging the two. Yes, I, I love it. that You're always giving me a breath of fresh air and something that's just so unique, but in just ways that blow my mind. Like having grown up, listened to a lot of metal you know, like black metal, progressive metal. Like I've, I've, I've heard a lot of different mainstream and lesser mainstream ones that were big at the time. And when you bring Baroque into this thing, it's not just compositionally like complex, it's the arrangements. There's always a story that's evolving in a way that I don't hear any other artists doing it. So I love it for me. This has been a nothing but a pleasure mastering your songs because it's just, it's always so fun to listen to them. They just take me for a ride and it's great. So let's talk for a second about some of the personal challenges you've been facing, because obviously you've been doing this since 2006 is without a chord, but it sounds like music has been a part of you all your life. You, you, would you call yourself a creative? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you could just talk about what, you know, what triggered that this challenge that you were starting to face and uh, maybe we can go from there. I mean, essentially you know, I've been doing music for so long. I mean, I started when I was, you know, seven years old taking lessons. And so it's been a part of my life. And I, you know, I, I just don't see myself not like having it not in my life. And it's Mm -hmm. hard to even envision. And I feel like that, you know, I just wanted, I was kind of getting some pressure because I started taking on some clients, you know, to make music for them. And, you know, I, I, you know, just all the deadlines, just a lot of pressure. And I was like, I gotta, you know, get away. And I <laughs> just like left to go to Alaska to snowboard, uh, every day. Cause I also, you know, love snowboarding and, and I kind of, it just kind of like, I just realized that I didn't, not that music doesn't make me happy. Like when I make it, cause I love making it and it makes me happy, but it's like, it's not the only thing that right. can make me just as happy. Right. You know? 
and I've just spent so much time doing music and honing this craft or changing my art or even like the, the evolution of my art has, has, is so crazy. Like from when I first started and, um, and then I was just feeling like, I don't, you know, it's good in the moment, but you know, it's not necessarily getting me anywhere. At least sometimes I feel that way. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're, you're kind of at that point where you're starting to look at all the things you've done as without a chord or in just in your musical career in general, whether that's as your own artist or a producer doing work for others or helping others. And you just don't feel like you were as far along as you thought you would be. Would you maybe have like, maybe I should have done it as a full-time career. I wish I could be doing that. Cause you also have a do- day job. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So for, for those who aren't aware, he's actually very technically inclined. Uh, you're a programmer by day, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And sometimes night. <laughs> and sometimes night. <laughs> yes. And you work for a very, very, very reputable company. I'm not going to, you know, just blurt out their name there. Um, cause I, I want to respect the fact that you still would like to work there. <laughs> so, um, I think it's incredible. The fact that you have all these technical aptitudes that I feel like the music industry also kind of has fallen behind with, like we, as a music industry as a whole, I would say we are far behind what the tech industry, you know, tech technology in general, we just haven't been able to catch on and implement technology to our advantage as creatives. So I think you're in a really good and unique spot, but we can, we can return to that topic later. Let's take a little turn here and let's talk about growing up. Like what, what ended up putting you in the route of, of going towards programming? Oh, well, I mean, I've been on a computer since I was three. So even before I was, you know, (laughs) doing lessons and for piano. And that was when, you know, my parents had to literally program the video games on the computer themselves because, you know, like the day, like early, you know, late eighties, like pull up DOS, type in the command prompt. Yeah. Yeah, That's to open up the game, you know, maze game. There was very, it was very, uh, I want to say rudimentary, but I don't know if that's the right word. (laughs) Very like just basic. Esoteric by today's standards for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So at what point did you, did you start going more of like, okay, well this, I, how did you land in the day job that you're in now? Like let's, let's put it that way. Okay. So, you know, I did, I ended up taking C plus plus in high school. So I had, um, you know, and I was doing obviously my own MySpace HTML editing, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, you hacked your MySpace. Yeah. You know, I got real coding, real coding in, uh, you know, I think it was 11th grade. Wow. Doing C++. So I already did that. And then when I went to college, immediately after that, I did it for computer science. I ended up dropping out, though, like by, at the end of the first semester, or just not dropping out, but like not returning. And I took a, you know, couple years off. And then I went back, got my associates, and then I took about like four years off. And then I went back and got my bachelor's in uh, computer science. What were you doing in the meantime with those hiatuses? You know, I just was kind of going where life was taking me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like, were you I, just like day job to day job, like, you know, retail or whatever? And basically, I, I did okay. like um, pizza delivery. I also did door to door knocking, selling energy. <laughs> I, I got people to sign five year contracts. Yeah. I just used to 
just knock on their door. Wow. <laughs> Get people to sign like a five-year contract Man. with the company I worked for. Door-to-door sales can be extremely rough. Like that is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've had plenty of doors slammed on your face. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut people just cussing at you. Like, I don't know. Some people did not want to see you oh, and yeah. not want to talk to you. But then, you know, it's always like 50-50. Mm-hmm. But you can't let those people get you down. You got to just the whole, that's the whole thing of it. It's all mind game. Like you people that quit, just quit. I mean, people just stop. They're just like, uh, I can't deal with all this negative people or, <laughs> you know, some people yeah. take it too personally or, you know, you got to really, you just got to love life at that point and not, not care that these people are just like shoving doors in your face. Cause you're going to get some deals. Like it's yeah. going to happen. So does it like commission based or you like have hourly and then like you fade, yeah. you, you fade All your hourly. Commission. Okay. All commission. Wow. And I was making a decent amount of money and the guy above me was making a decent amount of money. And it was just, it was kind of crazy. I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like <laughs> it's cool, you know, but it's just like kind of, uh, uh, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I don't know the work structure, the whole thing. It just, I don't know, selling gas and natural gas and, and electricity. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to be, you know, they did have green options. But that wasn't their main goal. Their main goal was to get people to buy gas from them. Right. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's not like we're, cha- we know, it's not like we're converting roofs yeah. to it, solar. At the end of the day, they need subscribers because a monthly paycheck comes in from that subscriber and they just need more people to pay. So I, yeah, it totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So sales was part of the, the gig and you were doing that just kind of willy nilly, but obviously it wasn't your calling. Like you didn't feel the urge to go just, Oh, wake up today. I got to go sell gas. Like, this is, this is my life. I live for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was cool and stimulating because I could meet new people all the time. And there was like some of these crazy old dudes who like, they would always answer to her and be like, Oh, I want to live off the grid. How about that? Blah, blah, blah. And then they'd like start telling me all these like secrets of how they would like heat their water. And like, oh my gosh. And so they're like writing it all down. <laughs> it's amazing how you can meet like just the, the cultural differences from person to person. Like imagine oh, the yeah. life that they would live and just like what gets them there. It's incredible. And I think that is probably something that gives you a unique perspective of life after talking to you as much as we have just in, you know, in private chats, uh, I feel like you just have a rich set of experiences that kind of lend to that. So when we're looking at, um, from the outside in, I would say we're from the outside in, we're looking at this whole thing where now all of a sudden you're going into programming. What made the leap from doing those day jobs to now working, you know, like maybe going actually dedicating time into the programming route. Well, it was kind of a few different, uh, kind of a few different stressors just in my life that kind of led to me you know my basically my parents offering me to like go back to school go back to college gotcha you know so they were kind Um, of the ones pushing pushing for it they got me back in there pretty much i mean they offered it to me i was like well i love school so if (laughs) i could stay in school all my whole life like i I love that (laughs) i yeah i'm in school right now for an it degree so (laughs) yeah yeah I, I think it's fun. I like learning. I like going to the classes. I like passing tests. Yeah. I Well, I love the challenge of trying something new in expanding my mind and whether that's, yeah. whether that's aptitude, like, Hey, this is something like having the, the experience and knowledge to apply it versus just, okay, we're learning this new thing. I think for me, what excites me more is just 
discovering this new thing and trying to wrap my brain around how those things work rather than taking on the total experience and all of the process involved with building up a skill set to actually become proficient at it in the in the applied world, the applied sense. So yeah. it, for me, the hardest part was getting over that hump. I'm just like, you know what? I need to put in the time. I need to put in the effort. I need to put in the work and build up these skill sets from a practical standpoint, not just learn the academia of it all. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So now you're in programming. You've kind of left the other, you know, retail sales stuff after school and you're starting to like, Hey, this is, this is paying pretty well. Right. You, you kind of feel pretty steady where you're at. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a race too. Not too long ago. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah pumped about it. So then we're, we're going to come full circle. We're back to this kind of dilemma where, you know, your this lack of motivation almost from your trip to Alaska to get away, kind of just give you headspace. Right. So while you were in Alaska, you had some time to think about things and that's what kind of, I feel like it started this process, this process of, you know, like questioning things, right? Yeah, for sure. So where would you say you feel you're at right now with, with just questioning how far you've come with, without a cord and what, what uh, things do you feel like you should be further along in, or you could be further along in? I guess, I mean, shows and stuff, I guess I, it's hard to get on the the bigger lineups or just like bigger festivals. I feel like mm-hmm. it's just not, uh, seems to be kind of not that easy. Cause they usually do have like some sort of sign up or like, you know, you can apply, like some of them have and you like fill it out and you never really know <laughs> if you're going to, you know, it's just like, I don't know. Cause it's like, you know, I can get the smaller gigs. Right. I can do that. And I can, you know, and I can, you know, before the virus I was, which is going to be a song name, by the way, before the Ooh. virus. <laughs> but um, I, there's uh, a hint, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was you know doing almost two gigs a month, so it was pretty prevalent in my life, and I thought I was like doing you know pretty well. Mm. Were those shows actually like you know paying you paying gigs that you felt like you could actually you know hey I can turn this into a business? Some of them. Okay some of them not and you know that that everybody's going to learn you know that like sometimes you just got to turn it down because you're not gonna you know you can't play all of them (laughs) you know like and even if you could it's like is it worth it you know are you going to get paid i mean you know experiences are always worth something so Mm -hmm. you know if you've never played there then maybe but you know i mean and i've been trying to do that for a while and you know at first you know i just didn't even expect to like necessarily play gigs like i was just you know making music yeah i i think it sounds like in the last few years you've kind of wanted to go the live route and even recently like we were talking privately and you're like talking about all the latest projects you've done if you don't mind i kind of want to mention them here um you kind of you live scored a a a film like you the film was already released but you took the film and you did a live score to it yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's not I, easy was, to do. <laughs> it was one of my, it was, I have one of my, uh, mo- I guess, favorite moments in my musical career. And that okay. did happen in October. So, I mean, it was, you know, during the it, pandemic. It was, yeah. So, I mean, that was nice. I guess, 
you know, just to go back, uh, you know, I just feel like I would be a little bit further. I would have more connections. I would, you know, have more opportunities to, you know, get more uh, paying gigs, whether mm-hmm. that's scoring a film or a movie or uh, same thing or, uh, you know, video game or, you know, even things like that, which, you know, isn't, I guess, the most, you know, a lot of people don't really know that avenue, I guess, of, um you know, the side of the music industry, like everyone thinks it's just, you know, you make music, you go up on stage and you play, but there's actually a lot of stuff. I mean, even the sound effects. Oh yeah. There's so many avenues. So many. Yeah. And it's, you know, I just feel like, um, I guess I just, uh, you know, and also just like a fan base too, like generating that, like somehow getting enough people to listen to, or even care about your music at all. Um, it just seems, uh, so you felt like trying to keep without a chord going the way that you've been doing it so far was turning into a grind. Would you say that? I felt like that at some points. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for, you know, one person and some of the stuff you only got to do once and like set yeah. up and forget it kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know? I remember that you were really getting into the weeds, like deep into the weeds of like trying to set everything up in your projects that you, as you were producing, you wanted to automate as much of the process as possible in, it would come down to a formula system. And you're like, I want to be able to like have AI replicate me so that I could, you know, riff off, off of it live. Like, I love that idea. I think that's a technical challenge and you're very like your technical mind is very creative in that aspect. You're thinking outside the box in ways that nobody else is even probably contemplating right now. Like, is that even possible? But you also have the skills to implement it in terms of development. Like you can actually write your own AI code to to do this stuff. I, well, time though too, you know, it is I mean, time. there is, yeah, like it takes time. And like, I also program all day, every day. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, if, if it actually was lucrative, I could be, I could decide to be like, okay, I could spend time on doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. like, if it's not, then you know, why would I, I mean, I'm not saying that I would only do it for money, but it's like, mm-hmm. I, you know, it would, it would just be easier if I could have the time all day to work on that kind of stuff. Cause right. it's like, now I, I have to work for my job and yeah. also I have to make music and I have to like try and book gigs and go to those gigs, you know, and do yeah. all that stuff. I mean, in the past year I haven't had to do that cause um, you know, the no shows and stuff, but um, just in general, you know, it's like, am I going to spend time doing that super futuristic thing mm-hmm. that, no one's even going to know or care about like at at the beginning. (laughs) Like if I was to do that and go on stage, no one would even know, you know what I mean? And even if, even even if some people did know, they wouldn't know actually how much work it took to do that. Or like, you know, like I could build a custom live setup, go up there and do it. And people would still be confused Mm because people don't necessarily want to just see some random button pushing because they don't even know what's happening <laughs> yeah they you can't tell I mean? the difference like, yeah exactly in the so old just, days you had a guitarist you had a drummer you had a bassist you had a singer you yeah. could see what they were doing we we right. culturally we understand when they pluck those strings they're making the sounds that are coming out of the speakers right. but 
when it comes to let's let's even take the bigger acts for example destroyed which is kj salka excision you know the the trio there um or even looking at some of the bigger acts that are like um sorry i just thought of the late daft punk for example Mm. um yeah dead mouse like yeah he automates a lot of stuff but destroyed was live triggering custom, you know, via custom MIDI controllers. So they had like a, a guitar axe that had a MIDI pad all on there. The drums were performed live through MIDI triggered. You know, everything was on V drums. Yeah. They had three laptop rigs that were running Ableton Live synced, and everything was triggered live. They were performing live, but it's so well rehearsed and their suits and everything's so complex. Nobody can really understand or comprehend all of the work and detail that went in behind the scenes to build the suits, to build those custom MIDI rigs and actually allow them to perform live. And when you actually hear the voices, like the, all the distorted modulated voice sound effects and stuff that they do during the songs, Mm -hmm. they're all wearing mics inside the helmets. They're talking and it's going through live effects. And I don't think anybody would, would be the wiser with those helmets on. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, that's the work they were willing to do to put in to get the end experience for the audience to be like, holy crap, this guy is shooting a CO2 cannon. It's just like fog everywhere. But how how far in the music industry were they already before they built that app? Oh, that was the peak of their career. Like, I guarantee you, they're still... Weren't they already like in the music industry separately and they came together? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they had already had, they had, they must have had time and like, it's like, oh, it's like, you know, like and resources I, that yeah, costs exactly. them a lot of money, but here's yeah. the thing. So I, I kind of want to talk back, uh, bring it back to the, the fact that you have these side projects. And in fact, some of them are patents, right? You actually have patent pending stuff that's in the works. Um, yeah, I've, I've one that's been sent out and, mm. um, I can tell you about that one, but I can't tell you about the other one. Cause it's not sent out yet. <laughs> no, that's no worries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where are you at with those? I have to get the second one up and going. And then I think that I could convince my employer. The problem is my employer really only likes big fish, mm-hmm. kind of like big yep. money. Yeah. So, you know, if I could say, Hey, I can make this device and sell it to Beyonce and her <laughs> dance crew for like $15 million, they'll be like, so, you know what I mean? They, they don't, yeah. they don't really, they want so to see have, it more like, Oh, this is something that everybody in in the world was going to want to buy, even if they're not into music. Basic. Oh, well, not even. They don't even like consumers necessarily. They <laughs> want me to go after like Pixar, Disney, yeah. like the people that are going to utilize it and license it from yeah. them for millions of dollars a year. And I think that's just the par- that's the mindset of the paradigm they're in. They're a technology company first. So, yeah. They're thinking of business cases where other technology from other businesses will want to implement it for the biggest dollar value. So I get that. But the other thing is you have all these side projects, right? These other ideas that aren't even patents yet. Where are those at? Have you been developing those? I'm not going to, I'm not going to patent. I mean, it costs money to patent that stuff. You you don't need to. I don't necessarily need to. I could just build it and use it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to patent those things. I'll mm-hmm. probably just build it and use it and just won't even release how to make it. You know what I mean? Or also if you're the first person them. to demonstrably 
perform with those tools, like these custom AI tools, these custom yeah. performance enhancing tools, I think not only would you be revolutionizing the way the music industry operates, because think about when the keyboard was introduced. Think about yeah. when the piano was introduced. Before the piano, it was literally a harpsichord. You only had one volume. And yeah. look at what a revolution that did for people all over the world that could actually, you know, like, when I, hey, I can afford to yeah. buy a harpsichord. Well, now I can afford to buy a piano and I can play soft or loud. And then when the player piano came out, look at sheet music. I know. It's, it's, it is crazy. That's like, <laughs> I can't even, you know, I can't even get in front of the right people now, let alone even if I built that. <laughs> it takes time. You know and what I mean? Like that, it's, yeah. it's it's just like, okay, I can build that. I can go to these shows that I'm already going to, and no one's, you know, it's just gonna go nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I just gonna be like going, you know, not but yeah, I you know, I'm still definitely working on them. And um, but the other thing is about like deep learning, like the one you mentioned earlier in mm -hmm. the conversation, um, you know, being able to play like me or use the DAW just like me or whatever. That takes data. That takes a lot of data. And, Big data. You know, and I would, uh, yeah. And I would have to sit there and do it for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours to collect that data. And then I could feed that data to it. And then it right. would know. Like, Imagine being able to you know, feed so it, it take the entirety of all of your previous projects you've ever done. You would probably have enough data. Um, It would be able to write, I guess it would be able to um write music like me, but it, mm -hmm. it wouldn't. It, it, and that would be enough data, definitely. But, um, you know, it, I mean, with, with deep learning, I could make it like literally do all the mouse clicks like I would in the DAW. So it could just like replicate, like if I had all That's that. That's a whole data, other layer deeper. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, it could just operate the DAW just like me, you know, if I had all the mouse clicks and all the, you know, all the, the keyboard controls and stuff like that. Like I, I it, it's possible. I, you yeah. know, I would just, I don't have that data saved. It has all my MIDI. I have all my MIDI saved. So mm -hmm. it would be able to make MIDI like me or, or at least save an FL file, like the one, like some of mine. And I could just right. probably open it could build the project, but it wouldn't be able to perform actions in real time. Like you. Right. 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 But you know, um, yeah. I, and that's the net, you know, if I'm, and cause one of my projects is to assist me and automate myself in the workflow right? while I'm in the DAW. And, you know, some of that stuff could just be hard coded, you know, like if I, you know, put in a sweep up or a sweep down, I'm probably going to want a filter on it so I can control it even more mm -hmm. or whatever. Like if it, you know, or a set, you know, I can, if I load something, I would want like an EQ on it automatically without me having to go in, uh, you know, and find the EQ and like load it into my mixer track like that. I don't need to do that. So you're talking about have... even just minor, minor enhancements to your own workflow based on things you're doing very commonly. Whenever you go and do one thing, it kind of triggers a cascading series of events to help set up the rest of that rig for you. Right. Cause it will just, it'll be like, Oh, this is what he wants to do. He's probably doing this. And then it would just fill predictive, like predictive text. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, and the same thing with like sub base, like I don't need to write the sub base. I could just write the baseline and then have it write the sub baseline mm -hmm. for me. But without, you know, just as I'm doing it, it'll just automatically cheat, you know, nice. that's stuff I don't have to do. So between without a cord, all of these side projects, your day job, and don't forget hobbies. Like, yep, you like to get out. You like to go exercise, be physical for a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
It yeah. sounds to me like you're juggling a lot of different opportunities. And this is the problem that a lot of people, I think I I'm with you in this regard that, you know, the problem may be that it's all these opportunities are pulling you in opposing directions. You're still only 24 hours in the day. Yeah. So you're going to have to say no to something because this might be why you're real. Like, okay, if I look back at all these years, like 2006 to now, why am I not where I want to be? Like, why isn't without a cord huge? I should be main state. Like I should be headlining huge festivals with that. If that was your goal, was that, was that your goal going into it? Or is it something you feel like you could have reached if you had done more work in that regard? Well, originally when I started it, it was not the goal. Okay. Um, originally when I was started, it was like, I wanted to make, you know, an electro, like a symphony, but an electric one. Kind of, and I didn't necessarily nice. want to headline anything. I just wanted to have a beautiful piece of classical music that could be played by like a group of people with synths and stuff. But yeah, I mean, like a virtual symphony, <laughs> kind of, yeah, <laughs> or or a synthetic symphony. Excuse me, it doesn't have to be virtual. It could be a real performance. Yeah, and it kind of got a little more serious for me around like 2014, 2013, uh, after I wrote these three different tracks. And that's when I kind of was a little more serious about it. And then, you know, I got a gig and then I realized, you know, cause I did, I, you know, growing up, I did do piano recitals and I also, did, you know, was in bands. I played the saxophone and I was also, you know, in choir and I was also in the church choir. So like, I, I was just like music a lot. And, you know, I, um, um, you definitely picked up a lot of skills along the way. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, you know, I didn't, um, I, I just realized how much I love performing mm-hmm. uh, when I started performing my electronic act. And I was like, oh, I just want to, you know, you know, perform, you know, yeah. just get the gigs. And I feel like it was probably this linchpin, this moment where you were starting to want to get away from the projects that you were starting to feel a little stressed by, a little overwhelmed. I think this is probably the moment that you could most poignantly say was burnout. I think what you're suffering from is burnout because that's the point where things that this, this path that you've been going on is starting to feel heavy and you're grinding and you're not really seeing the payout for that grind. If it was like, what am I grinding for? And that's a, that's okay. That's a natural reaction to the situation you're in. There's also an indicator here. This also means that you've probably been on autopilot for a lot of the things you're used to the routine that you're doing. And you're also, you could also be using this routine of producing, working my day job, doing these things without really considering much of the end goal. What is the end goal five years, 10 years from now? And really aligning the actions you're taking now to reach that goal. Maybe that's challenging you because now you're taking on some more of the curiosities like, hey, now you work with that film score client. Um, and that was a curiosity is like, I would really love to do a live scored film. That would be awesome. And look at that. Look at the result of that. Just following your curiosity, the fact that it led to experimentation, you have these new ideas, new concepts to bring to life. You're like, I could totally revolutionize all film scoring. Cause right now that's probably the slowest moving industry of all in terms of like, when it comes to films and major film production, film scoring yeah. takes months, if not years. In wow. some cases, and a lot it's of it insane. is hurry up and wait. Seriously. So much of it is hurry up and wait because there's so many moving parts. 
And you could simplify so much of that if you were to get to the par, like get to the level where you could say, hey, I can produce a realistic orchestral mock-up near real time. And as we're building the mock-up to your film, you can have everything placed right right where you want it. Because you're you're already live orchestrating as you're performing the parts, recording it live. Yeah. And within a matter of hours, in a single day, you could have a complete film score. And to hand that back to the director, whereby scene by scene, usually it takes composers quite a while to think through things, to build a mock-up, and then they have to schedule the live orchestra to go perform parts. They have to bring it back for mixing and mastering. It takes months, like months. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> it's a lot. It's, I mean, I've never done it, but I believe you. And because they do, they have all, you know, some of that stuff scores are pretty. Yeah. And they spend millions of dollars on it. Yeah. So imagine uh, how much money you could pull in. If you could do the level of score that Hans Zimmer or uh, Junkie XL, these guys that are top build, you know, film score people. The other thing is film score, like composer is, is also a label that, entails a lot more under the hood stuff. It's it's also considered what they call a head of department. Meaning you're not just writing the music, you're managing a whole department, a whole team of people. Yeah. And you also have to be the one, you have to think like a manager at that regard too. So it's totally wow. different. It's a it's a whole different ball game, but I think that the the fact that you have the curiosity to like attempt something that hasn't really been proven as possible in the mainstream I think the fact that you challenge that you love you, you're thinking out of the box with that idea. I love it. And you proved it was possible because you've already done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was fun. Yeah. It was very fun. Yeah. I think this is for you. This is an opportunity to, to look at things like maybe it's just a matter of framing and lensing the optics. If we look at the optics of a situation it's choosing how we view a situation, it's going to, uh, that will shape the outcome that we're after. So if we're looking at this like, hey, here's without a chord. I've been doing this since 2006, and I haven't really built a solid plan for where I want it, but I'm not as quite f- successful with it. I would like to see more success with it. What is success for you? If you were to define success right now, what would it be for, for without a chord? That's an interesting question because for me, I like I flip-flop on myself sometimes because you know I am grateful you know, for a lot of the moments, mm-hmm. um, in my career. And, you know, sometimes I'm even grateful to just play my piano, um, you know, and it's a very in the moment thing for me. So, you know, I feel like in that regard, I, I, I have a, a, a level of success. Um, but then I also, you know, have certain expectations of myself and I guess of the music industry or the, mm. you know, the world <laughs> yeah. to try and, you know, and those are like some things that I just can't control and it's, and it's hard, you know, and I just feel like, you know, if I, yeah, I just want to headline like one festival or go on tour, even like, even if I just went on tour, like from, you know, Maine to Florida or whatever, yeah like that would be sweet. Like, I feel like <laughs> that would be a level, you know, that would be an achievement. That would be, be like life achievement. Check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So yeah, when you look at it from those aspects, I think as long as you're following your curiosity, you're going to be on the path, man, you're going to find a way. 
where there's a will, there's a way. And when curiosity is involved and you continually find the positive aspects to look for those things, you're going to start to have life provide answers to those questions for you. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's not so much the answers that we seek. It's the quality of the questions we ask that determine the quality of our life. This is a hard one for me. Interesting. This is a hard one for me because it, I, I've been struggling to, I, I wouldn't say comprehend it, but I've been struggling for the last two years to truly dive in and work on it. Like as, as a matter of like, okay, I, I can see how that makes sense, but then actually trying to use it to change my life is tough. Like that's hard work. If you ask smarter questions, the answers are going to reveal themselves regardless. Interesting. The answers are out there. And so what happens if we were to dive into this topic just a little bit, I want to sidebar. There's something called the reticular activating system. There's guys out there like Max, um, Max out with the Ed Milet podcast. Who've talked about this. He's got a book on it. Um, he's talked to several neuro-linguistic programmers, uh, which is like, you know, biological experts on the human brain as much as one can be because it's still pretty much a mystery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they've solved a lot of these things. So we call it the reticular activating system. And it's basically the filter between your conscious and your subconscious brain. Wow. Your subconscious brain is processing billions of bits of information per second. Right. And our conscious brain is in the like 400 bits per second. It is a minuscule number compared to the conscious mind. So what we're learning here right now is that the conscious brain is all about awareness and focus. So when we talk about self-awareness, we actually give ourselves an opportunity to be bored enough to get to know our inner selves and become self-aware. Like what do you as Mark really want? Like, what do you want in life? If you were to just silence everything, just sit in a room for a minute and allow yourself to be bored and explore like what inner Mark wants to do. Yeah. What, what things bubble up? Think about, it. you don't have to answer that, but just think about it. I feel like you're very in touch with that creative side of yourself. And that's something that you've been able to tap into. And now it's just a matter of finding the bigger questions that keep that motivation on track. So right now you have those questions and you'll follow those spur of the moment. But if you were to build yourself a GPS, what two destination, what two um, points do you need? You need your point of origin and your destination and the GPS right. will go to work finding the best path for you. And that's those questions. Asking yourself smarter questions is building that GPS. I see your dreams and goals are the destination. Where you're at right now is your point of origin. Right. It's so crazy how this stuff works. Right? <laughs> like it's way into the woo, but this is the stuff yeah. that, you know, and, and when I mentioned, um, you know, being bored and allowing yourself to just get to know your inner self. Um, I, I, I've spent some time trying to do this cause I was also listening to another podcast called the life coach school podcast on episode 374. Um, they revealed that thought and that. I started just chewing through busyness is a form of buffering. And by buffering, I mean, it, you're, you're keeping yourself so busy 
that you don't allow your inner self to be explored. Like we don't know what's deep within ourselves and we avoid uh, tackling those seep, those serious, deep life changing growth work that we need to keep ourselves so busy with day-to-day work that we never get in touch with that side. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you can just spend 30, 30 minutes a day, or even just an hour a week, getting to know yourself a little bit better, allow yourself to be bored and use that as a beautiful opportunity to assess your life, get to know your true inner self better and connect with yeah. your genius. Cause that's where your genius lives when it's untapped because you're so busy and, Oh, I have all these tasks to do today. And from the moment I wake up till the moment I go to bed, I'm either subdued by the deluge of media <laughs> or yeah. keeping myself occupied with all these tasks that I've already kind of mastered. Like you have a mastery when it comes to producing. I love your work, uh, but I also get the feeling for you that you're always searching for something challenging. And the, even the, the stuff that you write today doesn't really scratch that itch of challenge. Yeah. Does that feel like it to you? Um, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and that kind of like ties in the fact where I'm like, well, you know, maybe I want to just want to go snowboarding every day and master that. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I want to go do, get something that, you know, get good at something yeah. else. Cause it's like, go compete with Sean it, White. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's like, and you know, one of the things about Alaska really showed me that I could, I, you know, I can, and anybody can do anything. Like mm-hmm. as long as you go there, put the work in and just put, you know, put your mind to it. You can really like do anything. And you know, what is stopping me from just like going and snowboarding every day and like just becoming crazy good yeah. you know, and, and just, to, just to live that life. Because I feel like, you know, I get almost, you know, if equal, if not more, you know, um, I feel like reward or gratitude, like in the moment and reward and just like being, you know, happy and like content, with my life, you know, like, like there was a piano in the hotel and uh, it was locked because of COVID, but oh. uh, on the resort. So <laughs> I like went there every so day just... to check to, to see if it was open, but it never was, uh, you know, but you I, just I, heard the siren call, like calling to you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really wanted to play it, but you know, after a few weeks, I was just like, ah, this is amazing. Like I just snowboard every day, you know, work. <laughs> I just worked and then snowboarded and I was like, yeah, like, this is amazing. Nice. You know? and, I, and it's, it's almost like, you know, I feel like, yeah, you're right. I don't know. I have to listen more to, you know, myself and like ask the right questions to see how I would get somewhere. That you know? or it, it could just be that. So let me ask you this. What scares you the most or rather what, fear that the dream or idea is just too unrealistic that, you know, holds you back from trying to pursue it. Basically, like if I continue down the path and like make all this music and still I'm nowhere, (laughs) (laughs) nowhere, nowhere as, as without a chord or just nowhere as Mark. Um, as without a chord, like, you know, the project is like, if it, you know, if I put in all this work and just have all this music and never go on tour, or never like, um, you know, play at a big festival or whatever, or, I, you know, in a big lineup or even like, you know, any of that, it's just like, yeah, it's good for me in the moment. I love it. And I'm, I'm probably never going to stop, you know, playing the piano mm-hmm. or, or composing just because, you know, it's great, you know, past time. I mean, I just, I'm very, I feel very free and I feel very lost. 
uh, when I, not lost, but like you could get not, lost you know, and still find yourself. Right. And just be, <laughs> you know, and write the music and like, that's not going to really stop. I don't know if I can, like, even if I was to go, you know, yeah. somewhere else, move somewhere else, like I'm, it's, I'm going to eventually, it's going to find me again. I'm going to do it again. Um, so that's not going to just stop, but you know, yeah. it's just a lot of more overhead to, to, to release music to build a fan base, to do the gigs. And it's like, not easy. Just, yeah. And I kind of just want that process to be automated, but it's just not, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, you know, and, and, and it's just, uh, but with like snowboarding, I don't have to worry about any of that. And I can still <laughs> just get as much, you know what I mean? I don't have to release nothing. I don't have to, you know, I can just like snowboard, feel amazing. And then that's the day like done <laughs> over. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. if, if, to be if, carefree, if music, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. If music was more like that, like, oh, I could just bam, do it all, and then it'd be over. Yeah. You know, just make music, play music, write it, and have it be over. That's my day. Yeah. But, so know, I think those possibilities all exist. If you were to look at some more successful artists, I guarantee you they have a team in place and have automated enough of that process. They've, or they've done the, the four. Like there's automate, delegate, not in this order, obviously, eliminate, and um, optimize or, you know, simplify. So when it comes to those four things, obviously I screwed up the order with that one, but if you were to look at this process of like what it takes to get without a chord music out there or put on a show, um, what things can you simplify or eliminate entirely? What things can you automate or what things that are left over? Can you delegate to somebody else? And at the end of the day, it really just comes down to crunching some numbers and saying, you know what, there's a cost associated with this and it's either my time or money to pay somebody else to do it or hook it up so that it's automated for me. And finding the most efficient way to do that, there is an answer out there, but we have to start with the question. Right. So it's possible because I've seen it done and we have people in the community who are setting up these processes right now. Um, we did an episode, uh, in fact, last episode, I talked to Connor Blake, who just launched his own production company for doing live events, and they are exploding. And they're based in Texas, ah. as I say, Austin and, Austin and Denver, specifically, in those two areas, but they're expanding. They want to expand to countrywide, like the entire U.S., and do wow. shows all over for, for electronic artists. So I think that's a huge opportunity. That's speaking volumes to the fact that if you put your mind to it, the opportunity is there because we're talking post pandemic 2021 and show number one, the very first show that they booked as their production company pulled in 10 grand and they were profitable out the gate. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. So it, I think maybe it's a networking thing, depending on who you want to lean on to like, Hey, can I offload some of this to somebody who knows the live world well enough to find the right venues, find the right promoters and, you know, line up a great show that makes sense. Cause I feel like that's obviously with something as an artist, if you don't la you know, if you have a lack in the experience department with trying to understand how to do live shows, there's a lot of factors involved and it really is the artist. This is the one thing I took away from Connor last episode was that the artist is the one that brings the audience. They're the one that bring the money because when you have so like so many fans that love your work, they're going to be the ones that show up and totally buy into the show. Whereas 
it's not it's not really the venue that's the one bringing in the people that you're going to play for it's the artist that brings the fans with them yeah that that for me was a big eye opener because i don't i don't have much experience in the live industry I've been in the studio set. I do a lot of producing. I help other artists get their stuff up and running. I help them navigate the production world. I have them nav- navigate the marketing and the B2B world. But mm-hmm. live is a whole separate beast. And it's it like it like just anything else, it has its own set of challenges that you just have to overcome. Yeah. So that was it for me when when I started to wrap my head around that. I think if you want to go that route and you want to be like Dude, you could be a you could be the next like mix of Carpenter Brute um and John Carpenter, but like totally baroque metal infused hybrid electronic, all live to like a, a crazy live performed video, like a film on, on the live screen, on the big screen, but everything is being performed. I could see that being something that's totally you. And I think there's something yeah. to be said. I think if you look at everything that we've talked about today. It's a puzzle piece. These are all the pieces of the puzzle, both tech and music related. And if you can figure out how to put them together and get the, com- the puzzle complete, you're going to be out there killing it for shows, have live gigs booked left and right, live performance opportunities to like score films and things like that. It can all come together and work as one business without of court could be the front face for all of the tech that you launch. And that would also synergize to help you sell the tech that you've been developing. I think it it would synergize really well. I see the opportunity there. I hope you do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I see. I do. I think for you, it's the questions you ask next that are going to be like, okay, how can I piece these puzzles together? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 For, for me, I hope you don't mind. Like I, I kind of want to share a little bit of my story because I've been, I've been in that position too. In fact, I I went through a pretty bad bout of depression, uh, in going into 2018. So I started to step away from music for a little bit, um, the year prior, like 2017 and, um, was really starting to step away from it, but not like completely like give it up just to kind of get myself into a better position. I knew I was facing depression so I was going to see doctors, therapists, and and make sure, you know, rule out it wasn't a medical condition. It wasn't something that I would have to like take pills or medication for to correct. Yeah. Uh, so it was purely headspace. It was, you know, some some mental things that were going on, some life, life events, um, and you know, personal baggage from my family life that I was carrying with me. And um I also at the time had just met my now fiance. Uh-huh. online. We were doing long distance. So it was a very interesting year in 2018 that I was starting to just put my foot forward in front of me, take one step at a time and just reassess where I was at. I don't want to give music up. I haven't returned to it completely yet. For me, the journey is now I'm in Ventura. I used to live in Northern California and mm-hmm. Pollux and Castor was just starting after nine months of development, never releasing a damn thing. Wow. We started putting the first three songs out in 2018 and 2019. Um, and then we both moved like um, Castor, Steven moved to Texas and I moved to SoCal and we've kind of been on hiatus and we want to return to it eventually. But I'm also, yeah. you know, I'm pursuing other things that I think 
as long as I follow the curiosity and ask the, the deeper questions, and this is where I said it's taken me years to really wrap my head around this concept of like what questions we ask determine the quality of our quality of our lives. That's hard work. Yeah. yeah. Be okay with that. It's going to be a struggle for sure. <laughs> it's a challenge. Like this is not easy stuff. No, you're right. So yeah, I just want to share a little bit of that because you know, I, I can kind of relate. I, I, I can't understand what it's like going through exactly what you're going through. And I don't know if anybody else can, but just know that you're not alone. Uh, yeah. We've got, we've got people, I'm sure you have friends close to you there, but you've also got the music producers Alliance community. You've made several close friends. I'm one of them on there and I'm always down to chat with you have anything on your mind. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So I, if you don't mind, I'll just wrap this up really quick. I really appreciate your time hopping on here and kind of going through this. So maybe we can just wrap it up with one question. Where do you, where do you see without a cord? Like, where are you on the horizon? What's on the horizon for without a cord? Well, I, uh, I'm definitely, I'm trying to, um, yeah, get some of these, um, projects done, um, for my workflow, for my DAW, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, try and turn that live. Um, and also I guess, you know, musically I, um, I'm trying, I've been trying different things lately. Uh, and I just, I'm about to release my first song with like a, a legit tempo change nice that's, that's pretty sick um <laughs> so and you know and all the stuff that i've been writing the past couple of years um i you know this year and last year i uh i'm really excited to like start releasing that stuff that's um, gonna be so awesome yeah so I'm, I'm just gonna try and um you know uh get those projects some of these you know even if a few of them you know i I'm also trying to, I'm, I got a kind of absorbed into this like little side project, like music project <laughs> um, with like a rapper and a spoken word person and like a Ooh. guitarist. Yeah. And I'm kind of trying to, or kind of going to be absorbed in this other like uh, jam band kind of thing. Okay. Um, that and, sounds you know, cool. Yeah, and you know, and I and I'm 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 making this device uh, that's pretty cool that allows anybody in the band to just tap it and it'll change the tempo of my DAW. Nice. Yeah. So you know, and I and I'm thinking See, about you've got so many like ways to just change the music industry because tech right now is what's really changing. Like every time a major tech shift happens, like I mentioned earlier, the industry follows suit. Like it changes the way people perform, or if it changes the way people experience music and yeah. i think you're on the cusp of a lot of cool stuff so i'm, I'm excited for that that's cool yeah I'm, I'm hoping to you know get it you know make it come to fruition yeah battling <laughs> myself <laughs> well that yeah and you know battling yourself is such a serious topic and i know i at least from my perspective as far away as we are you're in new york right i'm in california yeah um <clears throat> I feel like you've kept it together pretty well and you know, forgive me if I'm poking or prodding anything. You absolutely don't have to say anything if you don't want to, but mental health is a very serious thing that 
affects creatives more acutely, I feel, than a lot of other people. I'm not saying that, you know, I don't want to discount other people. Like there's people that are affected um, today from any industry. Just look at, you know, the finance industry can be a rough one. We've seen yeah. those meme stonks and all the other crap right now. Yeah. And several, yeah. several hedge funds have been put out of business from these kind of reactions and that affects people's lives. And yeah. um, mental health is definitely a very serious thing today. And I feel like if we can just talk, I'll, I want to share a little bit about that. So obviously we have resources available for musicians. If you go to the American foundation for suicide prevention, they have hotlines and resources up for you guys to reach out to. If you are in need of help, please go there, get, they have uh, help and relief um, hotlines as well as music cares from Grammy. Uh, Grammy.com has a music cares program to, and you can get help and relief resources, whether that's financial or mental health, um, they have these resource packages available to you. I'm speaking of these freely of my own vo- volition. They're not sponsoring us. They're not sponsoring the episode. It's just worth mentioning because I know, especially in this post pandemic world, there are a lot of people who have been affected by it. And you know what? Yeah. Our mental health, if we don't have our own health, our own physical health and mental health, what do we have? We're, our, the wealth is in the health. I, I, I mean that truly. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's Definitely. a lot of re- relief resources. You can go to the Recording Academy, Music Cares. Uh, it's grammy.com slash music cares. And then there's get help and relief resources. If you're struggling with it, I know it's going to be the hardest thing in the world to do. You're going to feel like nobody's going to understand. And believe me, I've been there. I've kept it to myself forever. As somebody who's been there, just try and 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 reach out to somebody and let them know you're struggling. And if it's a friend and if it's, you know, somebody, the music producers Alliance community will find a way to get you in touch with the right help because the producers Alliance community is more focused around like, you know, goal, uh, performance goals and things like that. We can help you with the business end. We we're not really, um, set up to be, you know, mental health professionals. We're not, you know, therapists, we're not licensed, uh, psychologists or anything like that. So, we can at least get you in touch with the right resources, but we are here like as human beings, we're here to, you know, help each other out. So yeah, I just want to bring that up because that's something that I notice is definitely more commonplace these days. Yeah. Uh, at least in our communities, I've seen it affect more and more people. So yeah, if you, you can donate to them, there are music cares is a 501 C three nonprofit uh, your gift may qual- qualify for charitable tax deduction, just FYI. So if you do have the opportunity to be, say, you know, I've been blessed. I'm in a pretty decent place. I'd like to give back. That's music cares is definitely a good program to look into for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome guys. And thank you so much, Mark, for joining me today. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yes. Awesome, man. Well, I will let you go. I hope you have a good night. Thanks. You too. <laughs> I know I'm going to be, oh Yeah. Back to moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Right on. Awesome, man. Okay. So whether you're suffering from the burnout in the grind in a professional manner, feeling stagnant, or on a more personal level, dealing with mental and emotional health challenges, there are some general tips that I recommend. Surround yourself with people who support you. I don't mean people who will be cheerleaders when you're feeling down but people who will stick up for you, but also hold you accountable to your goals and push you to try harder 
and overcome your challenges. Find a role model and make them your mentor. This doesn't mean they have to actively provide you personal advice. It can be passive through books or YouTube videos. Anywhere that can be a source of inspiration, but is also living by example, at least, you know, to some observable level. Everybody has different definitions of success. So whoever your role model is, make sure you're picking the appropriate one. Thanks so much for sticking to the end of this episode. Uh, I know it was definitely a little bit more intimate and detailed. Obviously, like the fly on the wall episode thing. Let me know how this episode affected you or how it's helped you. I'm always curious to know if this podcast is doing any actual good out there in the community. You can reach me directly by emailing podcast at modernproducersecrets.com. I think this is a great opportunity that I'm going to use to make next episode's topic a more action-oriented one that builds on some of the topics we've touched on this episode. Obviously, this one got kind of deep and maybe a little somber, so we're going to try to lighten it up in the next one and actually look forward to some strategies for what we can go into how to overcome burnout or how to flip the script on the struggles we're facing mentally and emotionally. I know quite a few people who have been struggling this past year, especially, and found themselves questioning their direction in life. To reiterate, if you know someone or you yourself are struggling with mental health challenges or were affected by the pandemic, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and Grammy.com Music Cares Program are linked in the show notes. I urge you strongly to reach out if you, a loved one, or someone you know in the creative community is battling a mental health challenge. It could save their life. Finally, this podcast is brought to you by the Music Producers Alliance. The Music Producers Alliance is the premier online community and professional development platform that provides learning resources, networking opportunities, and mentoring to producers and composers at all skill levels and backgrounds. Our mission is to help music creators turn their passion into a profitable profession. Visit musicproducersalliance.com or find the link in the show notes to get started.